Hello, everyone, and happy Monday. I am so excited to be sharing this episode with you and kind of give you some quick, like, life context or recap of the past few weeks um, that I, I kind of outline in the, the description for the episode, but thought I'd just talk about it a little bit more here. Um, so I have actually been home for the holidays for the past almost month, or I guess actually it's been less than a month, but it's honestly felt like a month. Um, and I was as always nervous about coming back, but, um, I've actually had a really, really amazing time. Um, especially being and being able to visit New York and catching up with friends, um, making new friends and yeah, it's been honestly awesome um as many of oops there's my alarm as many of you know I you know started this podcast because I was kind of drowning in a city that can be all-consuming and and honestly can be a little relentless and brutal um the city I'm referring to is New York if, if you didn't pick up on that and uh, I I kind of you know I started to really helped me navigate my way through the the hardships and the loneliness that I was feeling at a time um, where I was already struggling with mental health issues. And I, in hindsight, really have my podcast to thank um, for so many things. But one of the biggest things is I think it really got me out of a, a bad rut that I was going through. And it allowed me to meet with and connect with people that I never would have been able to talk to if I didn't have this platform and learn so much from these incredible human beings and just see the city from a different perspective and quickly bounce back out of a depression that was fully circumstantial and based just on feeling lonely in a city filled with thousands or millions of people. Um, Unfortunately, you know, when the COVID pandemic hit, um, it was kind of icing on the cake for me, uh, in terms of being sad again. I was at a job that made me feel really suffocated and, and I had a manager that, you know, made me feel silenced. And I then was stuck in an apartment for God, 10 months, no, almost nine months, I'd say 10 months. And that was brutal, like being literally alone in a city during a global pandemic. And then especially when it came to the colder months um, and I, 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 I finally had to make a decision for myself and get out of there. And, you know, it left a bad taste in my mouth. So when I moved to Austin, I I kind of was angry at New York and I was sad and I I was worried to come back and I just had a negative look at it at the at a place that I once loved more than any other place in the world. Um, but being able to visit the city these past couple of weeks and walk around and just see its beauty and its quirks and just 
everything that makes New York, you know, New York is really reminded me how much I do love it and how much I want to be there and how much joy and excitement I get from just walking around the streets and talking to strangers and, you know, meeting up with people because that's how I used to do the podcast. I used, you know, to do it in person. And now it's like most people just do it virtual interviews because it's more convenient. But I think that defeats the purpose. I think the whole purpose of podcasts is to have intimate one-on-one conversations, you know, with people who are vaccinated and negative, COVID negative. Um, But yeah, just being back really made me, again, fall back in love with a city that means so much to me. Um, And so, you know, I, I didn't mean to spend like almost five minutes on, on that portion, but I think it, lends itself well to the conversation that I had with Chris or Nigel, whatever you want to call him, um, because he is a New York-specific content creator on TikTok and an artist um, and musician. And speaking to him, especially because we have a shared uh, connection to Austin, um, really just reminded me how much I love the city. And I think it was actually he was one of the first people I saw when I came to the city the first, um, the first time in my, you know, visit this, um, these past couple of months. So talking to him, I'm not going to lie. In the beginning, I was kind of, I was about to like shit on New York and, and hype up Austin, which I still love Austin, but in, in speaking to, in speaking to him, and just seeing the love he has for this city and its history and its culture, just it was infectious. And I really think that was the best way I could have started off my journey coming back to New York because the the way he speaks about New York, and I'm sure you'll hear this in in the podcast, it's just full of love and admiration. And it's it really made me rethink about the way I was coming back to the city with this negative attitude and re- reframe that and. I think he's part of the reason that I had such an amazing weekend and wanted to come back the following Thursday and the following Saturday and the following Sunday, et cetera, et cetera. So anyways, um, before I just babble on too long, I wanted to just share that in case anyone's been having the holiday blues, which I totally get more than you know. Um, And just to remind you guys that there there are ways to enjoy the city even in its darkest moments or in your darkest moments uh, go for a walk just aimlessly stroll around your neighborhood or honestly if you're living in Murray Hill don't walk around Murray Hill because it sucks go to like the East Village or Soho or, you know, the Upper East Side and just walk around the streets and just take in the beauty of of this city that's just so unique and special. Um, and trust me, if you need any advice on how to get through a hard time while living in, in a city, that, again, that can be pretty brutal, um, just DM me because I've been there. Um, really quickly, I know I'm almost, wow, this time flew by. Um, I just want to make a quick shout out for Talkspace because they've been 
instrumental in my own happiness and therapy has been instrumental in my life. So I just, I'm so grateful to have a partnership with them. And before I get too emotional, I will reiterate the fact that the holidays are really hard for me. And I... I don't know how I would get through them um, without having fuck, sorry, without having someone to talk to. And I'll just say this really quickly because, as you can probably tell, I did get emotional. <laughs> um, use my coupon, my coupon Zoe Z O E to get a hundred dollars off your first month of therapy uh, because all this could be hard. So. That's my plug. I'll reiterate that in the show notes because I don't think I spoke English just now. Um, but anyways, without further ado, here is Chris Merch, a.k.a. Nigel Roxbury, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace and the City. Today, I am so excited to be here in person, which is always exciting, with, <laughs> with Chris Merch, a.k.a. Nigel Roxbury, who is an artist and New York City-specific content creator. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. I'm excited to be back in the place I started it. <laughs> yeah, the Big Apple. We're happy to have you back. Thanks. Well, um, if you don't mind, just kind of... Starting off by telling me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? How old are you? What's your story? Sure. Yeah. So I grew up from zero to 11 in Los Angeles, California. Okay. Parents split up. Dad moved to Austin, Texas. They have better uh, public schools there. So went to middle school and high school there. And then I went to Ithaca College in upstate New York and then came down here in 2017 um, and yeah, what I do if for my nine to five is I'm a social media director for um, a soccer media company, specifically oh, cool. European soccer. And then on the side, I do um, like New York City history TikTok videos. And we're also on Instagram as well um, that have picked up some steam and is, and is really cool. And then I also make music under the, the Nigel Roxbury moniker, hence all my social media being that. That's awesome. Wait, that's so funny. It's like you're you said your dad moved to Austin? My dad moved to Austin, yes. Did the flock, like like now everyone is moving, you know, from LA to Austin. Yeah. He <laughs> was way ahead of his time. We were. We were a little bit ahead of the curve. It was 2006. Okay. Um, so things weren't like quite built up yet. The only big company there was Dell. Wow. Um, and now it's just, you know, sprawling and everyone is going there. So it's pretty interesting to see. So what was it like growing up in, you know, LA and then Austin? How did the two cities compare? Um I mean, I guess you were pretty young when you were living in L.A., so mm -hmm. maybe, like, I guess, you know, what was Austin like before Before everything? everything? Yeah. Austin, I think, is a, a really wonderful place to grow up, um, especially if you're involved in, in uh, like, team activities, like sports. Um, there's, you know, really thriving, like, drama programs, and, and really, if you're a kid there, the world is kind of your oyster. You can really excel in, in different facets of, of whatever you want to do, right? So I was very sporty. Um, so, you know, sports programs were plentiful. 
uh, school sports there is very competitive, right? I also did a bit of acting and there were, you know, agencies and schools and drama programs and everything that really I was interested in. Um, th there were there were plentiful options, um, which was really, really nice. And, and I'm very, very thankful for because, again, Austin was really growing at the time and they mm. were getting a lot of transplants from a lot of different areas. Um, so everyone was kind of bringing like their own flavor into Austin and making it what it is today, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, case in point, like <laughs> it's funny. We like literally swapped, but um, that's cool. Did you play soccer? Was that your sport? I did not play soccer. So oh. I played um, basketball okay. my whole life. And then I played collegiately at Ithaca College for two years. Oh, wow. Um, and then I grew up playing golf as well and uh, uh, skateboarding. <laughs> a lot of sports. Yeah. <laughs> Again, very sporty individual when I was growing up. And so when did you first start, you know, struggling with your mental health? Was it um, as a, like a teenager was, or how did that happen? The first kind of instance in which I felt like the, the tinges of anxiety that would, that would break out was in high school mm -hmm. for sure. I didn't necessarily do myself any favors in high school. I um, got into, uh, you know, like kind of the, the party scene a little early on, like 14, 15 when I was there. And I, I don't think that that helped in any way. Um, I do remember having my first panic attack at 17 years old. And that was a life-changing experience for me because that was the first moment and, and kind of the continuation of that, the first moments in which I felt daily anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, it affected my social life. It affected my sports life a lot, um, which kind of sucked. Um, and you know, my school life and everything. And, and so that was, that was really a, a turning point in acknowledging that I, you know, potentially had a bit of a, a mental health, um, issue for lack of a better word. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Did you at the time know it was anxiety or did you, cause I mean, I know for myself growing up, like my parents, we didn't really talk about mental health at all. And so, you know, it would have just been like stress or pressure I was putting on myself sure. when it was really like, or like superstition when it was OCD and things like that. Did you, could you like put a name to what you were experiencing? I was very lucky to have a mother who uh, is a therapist, oh, that, is, a, yeah. is a licensed <laughs> therapist. Um, she works more on the business side now and has been on the business side of mental health in Southern California. But the, the problem was is that when I was having these issues, I was very closed about it. I didn't want to let anyone know. I grew up in a very hyper-masculine place in Austin, Texas, mm -hmm. where, you know, big, everything is bigger. Everyone is, you know, on steroids and, and like, it's just, and sporty and everything. So it's, it's football kind of a, life, yeah, yeah, football is life. It's kind of a crazy environment. My dad was, was very open to, you know, me discussing anything about my life and was also a help. Um, and so was my mom, but my mom just wasn't there in person mm -hmm. to, to really, help me on the ground. Yeah. Um, so that was a struggle. And then again, I didn't do myself any favors by not discussing it openly and just bottling it in essentially. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. And it's interesting that you said that because like that my follow-up question was, you know, what the general attitude of um, Austin locals was when it came to me mental health. So I feel like you kind of answered it. Like it did, even though Austin, I think of it as a very like progressive city, mm -hmm probably back in like whatever that was 2000 early 2010s yeah, yeah like 2010 2011 i i feel like it probably still had the roots of you know suck it up 
just it, like put rub some dirt on it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like not really fully acknowledging very, mental health. Yeah, very much that uh, culture, especially where I grew up in in a, a suburb outside of Austin. Okay. Um, again, very like hyper masculine, and uh, you know, I think really up until the last few years, male mental health has had a negative stigma about it. Like when I was oh, in middle school yeah, and in so high school, 100%. And so I felt that especially, um, I wasn't even really in tune with these emotions because I couldn't talk to anyone about it. I wasn't in therapy yet, even though I had a mom who was, it, it wasn't the same because she wasn't there in person. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I sucked it up and I bottled it and, you know, it came to, you know, the implosion with the panic attack and, and subsequent, ones and yeah is is still uh, a part of my um, of my daily life pretty much yeah and you know you mentioned obviously you're a very sporty person and we're involved in sports I feel like the well there's a huge correlation and um you know mental health obviously as we know affects athletes a ton and recently we've seen you know Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles Mm. and obviously Michael Phelps and so many incredible athletes finally start opening up about their journeys overcoming mental health obstacles um did did you experience that you like was there a, i guess did your anxiety carry over into basketball yes it very much carried over so entering college um at at Ithaca I was recruited to play basketball there and they had high expectations of me going in I, I started the first few games wow. played a lot um but I was having um borderline panic attacks before each game um and then once I was on the court it was get it was better because it was kind of just more of the the environment that I was used to but I remember going to my coach and this was the first time that I opened up about about it to anyone and I said hey I am so nervous and anxious before the games during the games after the games um, I think I need to go see someone and so he set me up with a sports psychologist in uh, the town of Ithaca Um, and you know, I look back on this now and I really just don't think I was mature or ready enough or ready for a collegiate athletics, but B to take on serious mental health, um, teachings, coachings, tips. Um, so while I tried my best because I wanted to perform and I wanted to play, um, I, I don't think that I really took it to, to heart too much. Um, maybe it was, it was, you know, not the right dynamic, all of these things, but I eventually just kind of stopped going to that, stopped playing, eventually quit the team, all of these things. So uh, again, I think it harkens back to a bit of like my maturity level at that at that point, but also just the the crippling amount of anxiousness that I was feeling constantly. And and basketball, which used to be my escape, uh didn't help. Yeah. I mean, I think you're being a little hard on yourself like it takes so much courage to ask for help especially at a young age and especially you know being a male sports player you know freshman on the team and like asking your coach for help so I you know I think you're selling yourself short a little bit because that's incredibly brave and it's you know if anything just as you kind of mentioned like just too much to handle at that young age which is of course like being when you're 18 balancing a you know co- like the work of college mm-hmm. with a sport and 
you know, social life. And then on top of that, having anxiety, like that's way too much for an 18 year old to handle. And, and I definitely leaned into the social aspect of things. Um, that's, that's kind of been like a crutch for me, but also not a crutch at the same time as like, you know, kind of doing the party thing a a bit too much in, in certain points in my life. And, um, yeah, I mean that, that has been something I've like sought refuge in, but is never like a good idea to do so. So I guess after, you know, that first time asking for help, how much longer did you stay on the team? And then like, when did you quit and how did that all play out? So I saw that therapist, I want to say in December of my freshman year. Um, and then, so that was December, 2013. I quit the team in, uh, December of 2014, I guess. So my, so halfway through my sophomore year, um, it was a multitude of things. It was me not playing. It was me not having a passion for the game anymore, largely due to my own mental health. Um, relationships with the coaches was, you know, kind of at odds at times. Um, I just, I didn't feel any love for the game anymore. I loved my teammates. Um, they were fantastic people, but um, at the Division three level, when you're not on scholarship, and you have 6 a.m. practices and 5 a.m. runs yeah. and everything, you need to really love the game. And I felt zero love for it. I, in fact, I didn't even touch a basketball again for another probably like six months after I quit. Wow. Yeah. And so you graduate college. Did you, you know, always want to move to New York I did. City? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, the, I mean, the story goes that I, I visited here when I was 10 years old for the very first time. My cousins live in Connecticut, mm-hmm. so we, we took a trip down here. And completely fell in love with the place. I was enamored immediately. Um, a lot of my favorite media, so movies and television, also takes place in in New York City. Like you can see the Do the Right Thing poster. Yeah. That's my favorite movie. Um, so I have just always had a fascination for this place. And uh, I was lucky enough to have a dad who uh, is a huge history buff and had a lot of books on the history of this city. So once I visited, I, I really kind of immersed myself into um, a lot of the history of the city and I love true crime. So like the mafia history of the city and everything like that. I just think that, you know, one of the oldest cities in, in America and, and just has such a fascinating origin story and, and continues to, uh, you know, thrill me every single day. You know, I think this is the only city in which I've romanticized and it's exceeded expectations. Obviously there's shitty parts to it. <laughs> there's shitty parts to everything, but, um, nah, I, I love it here. And, and, um, you know, it really started at a young age. Yeah. Wait, that's so interesting. And that kind of like, you kind of answered my next question was like, you know, it seems like you kind of your whole life or at least, you know, however long you were after visiting, um, the city for the first time you had it on like a pedestal and you know looked up to it and it's interesting because I I had a similar experience like I interned here uh, I want to say two years like after my junior Mm -hmm. or after my sophomore year and after my junior year and like had the best experience ever like fell in love with the city just knew I wanted to be here and then I moved here after college and like granted there were other factors like I had was really in a really bad place with my mental health, but it just like did not, it's not that it didn't meet my expectations. It's more just, I think, you know, when you're an intern and you're there with your friends living in like a nice dorm Going and to not, Thebes and B-Bar. Exactly. And yeah. <laughs> you're not like, and you're, you know, like I was using my dad's credit card at the time. Sure. Like 
it's a lot different than when you're living here. When you don't have adult responsibilities. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And then also for me, I had like friends from middle school moving here, friends from high school moving here, friends from college. And like, I was like, oh my God, all my friends are, we're all gonna be one big group of friends. It's gonna be like sex in the city. How I met your mother, going to McLaren's Mm -hmm. every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then that didn't happen. Right. And so it was like this huge letdown for me. But did you, and it seems like you had a, completely different experience like did you know anyone here when you moved like what mm-hmm. was your experience coming to that like, like moving in yeah and that? I was lucky enough to have friends from Ithaca a large group of friends yeah. from Ithaca being that it's only five hours away come to New York City my school is a huge feeder uh, for, we have a huge communication school so it's a huge feeder to LA and New York City cool. so and obviously there's like a the, the finance aspect of it too so I have friends in that and so we we came down here as a group and you know granted the city has you know kicked me in the nuts so many times of course but um i didn't like my first three jobs that i had yeah. like my professional life was was kind of crazy but you know through it all the city like had this this like weird magic to it and i was able to escape kind of anything that I had going on in my personal life and my mental health, friends, relationships, yada, yada, and kind of lose myself in the history of the city, lose myself in, you know, anything that was that was socially fun, the art, the music, the theatrical performances, anything that uh, the city can provide any sort of escape that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, For better, for worse. For better, for worse. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But like if you're in Wyoming, you're not getting that escape. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, you know, for, for me, this, this city has, you know, both helped and hurt my mental health in ways, which, um, you know, I think is, is a story for a lot of people, but, um, yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, essentially the origin of me moving here. And then uh, I've been very lucky to have a really solid group of friends, both from school and then both people that I met here. Um, you know, I think everyone here in their twenties is, is, is largely, are largely open to meeting new people. Um, and you know, when you are going out and, and having a good time, it kind of naturally can happen. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. I feel like you'd appreciate this because you know, Austin, but I mean, one thing like I love about New York and like one of my favorite parts is, and what I would do honestly as an intern post-grad during the pandemic is just like walk, like just, Oh my God. This reason just walk. If I, if I, didn't have legs in the city. I wouldn't know what to do. I walk everywhere. It's amazing. And <laughs> yeah. like, so I moved to Austin and I remember like the first thing I did, you know, was ask my roommate where the nearest Trader Joe's was. And she's like, Oh, it's like a mile and a half from us. I'm like, perfect. And I walk. walk. <laughs> and she's like, are you crazy? Like, yeah, I'll drive you. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to drive there. Like it's, I can take the pedestrian path, the pedestrian bridge, get right there, come back. Like, Walking culture here is much different than any other city. Being from Los Angeles and Austin, there's no walking culture oh. there unless you're on the lake in Austin. Exactly. Yeah. And they're like, look at me like I'm insane. I'm like, well, it's only two miles. <laughs> right. But we realize that two miles here is, you know, not that far when you count the streets. Right. Yeah. But there it's like, it seems it more looks, spread out. It yeah. looks so much further, but kind of going back to what you said, you know, about you can find an escape in everything. It's like, you know, most of those things you mentioned aside from walking, um, the arts, you know, music, um, theater, et cetera. Like most of those things just shut down during the pandemic. So right. how did that affect your mental health? 
when so, he didn't have those escapes. Again, I'm lucky to have music in my life, um, which was a huge, huge help during during the pandemic. You know, we were all forced inside. I was forced in my cramped house kitchen apartment at the time. Oof. Um, but I was lucky enough to have, um, you know, a, a setup, a, a recording setup in my apartment. Um, and I set out to make a six song project in the pandemic. And I gave myself until, uh, what was it, January 2021. Um, and I accomplished that. I was very, very proud of it. And, and writing those songs, producing them, mixing them, like just in immersing myself within the music aspect of my life, but presenting also a musical challenge to myself, extremely helped um, with, with my mental health. Just being able to write down my emotions in, in the moments, you know, I think uh, we all got to think a little bit more during the pandemic and, you know, you think about prior instances in your life and, you know, I really made the EP, um, I tried to make it with, with a city feel to it, um, but like a boxed in city feel to it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was, I was extremely lucky to have that in my life and, um, put it out. Yeah. And, uh, I put out six songs in six weeks and then compiled them into an EP in uh, December of, of 2020. So I, m I met my goal. And yeah, uh, without music in my life, without walks in my life, and then eventually without the New York City like TikTok videos that I do, um, I would have gone uh, batshit. Yeah. Yeah. Did you... Were you making music before the pandemic? Yes, I was. Yeah, I've been making music since I quit basketball when I was 19 oh, years old. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. I mean, you know, Austin being like the live music capital of the world mm -hmm. and things like yeah. that. So that's so interesting. And, you know, I've, I've had a number of musicians on this podcast. And I think a lot of the times what I ask is like kind of where the inspiration for their music comes from and their writing comes from and Noah Khan said something where he said it's like putting words into it. You're putting feelings and words into existence, like by singing those and writing them down. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like you did exactly that. Like you took probably the shittiest time we'll ever experience. Hopefully it's over soon. I mean, <sighs> with a fucking Omicron, who knows? But Oh God, hopefully not. Um, it seems like you did that. Like you were able to harness everything that you were experiencing and, and mm -hmm. write about it. Yeah, I mean, take two titles of the songs, for example. You have Solitude and then you have Scatterbrained, which yeah. are back-to-back -back on the EP. And it's like, you know, I, I almost felt like when the pandemic first started, I was actually kind of welcoming a little bit of a, of a break, mm -hmm. but I thought it was going to only last for like, for like two Same. weeks, right? So, and then eventually like the scatterbrainedness of myself took, took charge super you know anxiety ridden myself took charge and uh you know eventually like kind of fell into you know a bit more of the depressive moods that i hadn't really been feeling in my life before um, but again having music and then starting the tiktok videos like in october of 2020 to promote the music um and then that's kind of turned into a whole other beast but that's those you know really really helped that's awesome yeah yeah no, it's funny, and, like, I've definitely joked about this with a couple of people I've had on the podcast, but, like, I feel like I was one of the few people when COVID hit and there was so much uncertainty, I was like, oh, you guys are, because of, like, my anxiety, I was like, oh, like, this is new to you? Like, I'm this is just another day in the life, yeah. like, <laughs> being uncertain about the future? Like, welcome to my world. Uh -huh. So, I, I mean, I remember the first few months of the pandemic, being in New York, 
I like didn't mind it that I mean okay it was, it, I mean I got to work from home mm-hmm. I was at a job I hated and so mm-hmm. I was like sweet I don't have to go to work and see like people I don't like <laughs> I can just do it from my apartment right. and then I would go on these really long ass walks and it was completely empty and like it was the first time you could ever go to Central Park and actually like see the park mm-hmm. and I loved it and then you know fast forward to maybe like September I was like okay it's getting a little old um, and that's kind of when I started looking into that, moving into Austin. But um, it's, th- did you find that at all? Like, do you, f- did you feel like this is like a weird thing to say, but your anxiety kind of like prepped you for the pandemic? Yes, in a way. Um, what I will say is that I'm, I'm pretty extroverted. So not being able to uh, capitalize on my extroversion was, uh, you know, a little annoying. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm kind of a weird guy who like, has this social anxiety, but forces myself to essentially be extroverted. Oh, same. And through therapy and medication, it, you, that has subsided a little bit. So I've been able to be even like more social and extroverted, which is great. But during the pandemic, couldn't do that. Yeah. I was lucky enough to have a roommate who was from Brooklyn. So he just stayed in our apartment. So I had someone there. Mm-hmm. And then we had a small group of friends who we trusted who we knew were, you know, uh, trying to get tested every like two weeks um, when it was available and, and, you know, that we trusted not to get sick and not be idiots. Um, so we would hang out with them as well. So I had like this little crew here um, that I was able to, to see and who relieved me of any sort of like loneliness that I, yeah. that I would have felt with, I guess, my extroverted ways, right? Um, what was the original question? Just like if <laughs> the, an- the anxiety prepped you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The anxiety prepped me. Um, so... Uh, I think in a way it, it, it did. Yeah. Again, I was like looking forward to a little bit of a break at, at the start and, but having, you know, kind of that constant anxiousness within me, it allowed me to go to kind of go inside of myself a little bit more and be more introverted in, in like the music aspect and, and creatively. Yeah. Um, so that whole like overthinking that I'm still always doing, I didn't have to overthink anything socially. So I took that out of me. Yeah. I was like a little more bandwidth and I was able to, you know, overthinking is not good, but I was able to, to kind of focus on things that I found important in my life and really pare down what I did find important in my Mm -hmm. life. Right. Which was music, you know, doing well at my job. Um, being as creative as I possibly can and using creative outlets to alleviate um, the anxiety and finding creative ways to do so. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, I think it helped um, in ways. Yeah. Um, prepping, prepping me. Uh, yes. Again, in ways, I believe it did. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So kind of jumping to your TikTok a little bit about a little bit. You said you started to promote your music and now it's kind of like go to for, learning more about New York and mm-hmm. I saw a couple of, I like was laughing my ass off at some of the um bars to avoid ones yeah the bars yeah, to avoid yeah, oh yeah. my god the hotel Chantel I like <laughs> died because yes I agree please no one ever go there <laughs> um, oh my god Sorry. the Delancey I'm not a huge fan of that one either no. um so I guess you know how has that been? Like I secretly want to be a TikTok star. So how, <laughs> what's it like? You know, it's, it's been interesting. So at the, at the beginning, you know, I was such a big vine fan. Love um, vine. So I had a, an aversion to TikTok. a, you know, I thought it was all dancing teenagers. B, 
I didn't want to cheat on Vine, even though it had been dead for three years. I felt like a widow, you know? <laughs> so, but I, I thought to myself, you know, I, I'm very proud of this music and this EP that I made. I want to try to promote it as much as I possibly can. So I made the TikTok account under my music name. And as I mentioned before, it had a city feel to it. And I had all of this knowledge of the city and where to go and cool looking shit and, you know, all of that. So I thought, okay, Let's try to build a following here using my music largely as the background for a lot of these songs. Oh, and, smart. you know, I could promote it that way without like being, t- I'm not like a huge like promotey person. Like I don't be uh, like, I don't like getting people's faces about shit. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was a cool, subtle way to do it. And, you know, my first videos were, uh, you know, a lot about like the mafia and like, I went to like John michelle Basquiat's apartment and, they, they started to, to pick up and I was like, okay, well it, like there, there's an, uh, there's a fervor for this. There's an audience for this. Right. So I really just kept going. I was just encouraged by these random people on TikTok who were saying, this is cool. Keep doing this to keep going. And since then, you know, it's, it's still a promotional tool for my music. I still use my music behind some of the videos that I use, but largely now it's, you know, almost turned into like kind of an entrepreneurial thing for me which I wasn't expecting in the slightest yeah. at all um you know I've, I've been able to work with some cool brands um I've been able to meet a ton of people I met my ex-girlfriend on TikTok I met friends from That's there so funny. I it's, feel like you're such a like little group it, it the the New York City niche TikTok yeah is very strong I feel like I'm on the outskirts where like I know of like I don't even know like in the influencers so to speak I hate that word so much <laughs> but like you know the the people sure, but sure, yes, like yes I myself am not a TikToker uh-huh. so I I see from the outside looking in <laughs> yes no I mean and, and like I said I've gotten to meet really really cool people through it um and it's it's really been this odd blessing that came into my life just because. I wanted to promote my music and I needed that creative outlet in that very shitty, you know, kind of before the vaccine came out, mm-hmm. when everyone was real sick of shit, when it started getting cold. Oh, yeah. That was the worst time. From yeah. like October to February. That's when I left. That was the worst. Yeah. And it, it was like you had to go sit outside in the fucking snow and to eat food. Yeah. I was oh like, my oh, my God. But, you know, I, I had this and, it, and it's like I said, it's been a, an odd, cool blessing. That's awesome. So, oh. Well, I have to ask, how did you come up with the name or the alias Nigel, <laughs> Nigel Roxbury? Roxbury? Simple story. I, I grew up on Roxbury Street in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, always liked that name and felt as, as though it represented, you know, a bit of me. Um, and then I get this a lot. I also made this name when I was 17 years old. So <laughs> that keep that in mind. Um, I get Nigel Thornberry a lot and how I'm trying to have that, you know, be near the name. Not at all. Like not even close. I just thought. I've always, oh. I've always liked the name Nigel, um, and I thought that this name stuck out amongst, like, other names. Like, I wasn't going to have a dollar sign in my name. I yeah. wasn't going to be Lil or Young, <laughs> anything. I wanted a name that I felt as though represented a little bit of me and could also stick out. Because um, Chris Merch <laughs> is not a very... I make, like, you know, we like lo-fi rap music. It's not, like, a, a, you know, a name synonymous with anything having to do with hip-hop or anything like that. That's so interesting it's very british (laughs) it is very british i've gotten that a few times yeah i mean shit send me to london yeah oh oh my gosh nigel what's the guy like produced the american idol that's what i'm thinking of simon cowell no nigel something maybe Uh, or maybe he's a different show 
Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the famous Nigels. Uh, neither am I. Anyways, so I always wrap up my episodes with a couple of questions. Cool. Somewhat unrelated to the podcast. Somewhat related. Mm-hmm. First question. What's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? They get really deep. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. I know. It's like, okay, hard left. <laughs> that's made me stronger in my life. Going to therapy. Uh, really, uh, really tackling my mental health head on. I had an aversion to therapy after my experience with the sports psychologist in college. I thought I could handle it myself. Uh, no one can handle it them- themselves. Um, and again, you know, me- ma- uh, male mental health had that stigma. It's lessening as the years go on, which is great. Um, but getting into therapy, having a non-biased third party talk to me about what I was going through um, has extremely helped in my life. I, I can't praise you know, working on your mental health, but specifically therapy enough. I'm like kind of that annoying friend that is like, oh, yo, you should same. fucking go to therapy. <laughs> like, I think everyone, I, you know, I, I heard this quote a long time ago, but it's like, you go to the gym to work on your physical health. You need to go to therapy to work on your mental health. Your brain is the most important, you know, whatever in your body, muscle in your body, sure. Um, so it, it, it's been a fantastic, life-changing experience for me. Yeah, and you also just learn so much about yourself. Like, therapy and everything <laughs> and just becoming honestly just so fascinated by psychology like has made me such a more ins- insightful and self-aware person mm-hmm. and I think it's like why wouldn't I mean obviously it's expensive especially in New York it's hard to find a therapist and plug talk space like obviously I work there and they're a sponsor mm-hmm. but I mean that's one of the amazing things that talk space and better help are doing is that they're making therapy more affordable and accessible and yes and especially now when there's waiting lists like three months for three months but if if you can afford it and if you find a therapist like why not (laughs) i it'll be the best whatever amount of money you spend a month on it i I, i'm a firm believer in that if you need to spend less money at the bar to go to therapy probably a good thing (laughs) that'll be one of the best investments you will make yeah absolutely do you believe everything happens for a reason Oh my God. Uh, wow. I don't think I've ever fielded that question. Do I think everything happens for a reason? No. Why not? I'm not the biggest believer in fate or, or, or anything like that. So I think that you, what you, your actions in life are what will, will have you occur in your life. I'm saying this terribly. Oh, Do you I understand know. what I'm yeah, saying? There's a word for it. Like human or er, God, the opposite of fate. Like, not like, ugh. like, uh, <laughs> like it's, I we can like cut this part out. <laughs> Greek term where you can like choose the, your life. I'll look sure. it up after. I, I'm just a big proponent of, you know, attempting to do the right thing in life and, and the good things will, will come of that. Obviously not, Every single thing will be good in your life, but being a good person, doing good things, working on what you're passionate about, um, working on things that you love and and really crave in life, and things will will come to you. Yeah. Um, maybe not immediately, maybe not in ten years, but I'm a big believer that um, working towards something will allow things to kind of come into your life. I guess. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I agree. I think the quote kind of more has to be looked at. Like there's a, you can find a reason behind anything that happens or like, you know, a silver lining 
or like what can I learn from this and mm-hmm. things like that the only thing that trips me up is like the whole butterfly effect like if I hadn't you know turned left on this street that one day and then met this person who then introduced me to this person like I would not yes. be sitting in this like that part trips yeah. me up and it freaks me out yeah and and that's kind of the counter to, to yeah. what I was saying but um you know that reasoning fate butterfly effect those are things that I, I probably need to to read into a little bit more I I just I I find myself to be someone that tries to do my own research and and tries to come to the right conclusion on on things based on facts I'm yeah. a, I try to be a very factual person because i in my, in my history person yeah, it makes sense right so maybe that's like why i don't believe in in like everything happening for a reason because i think we learn about our past and what we've done in our past will contribute to our future yeah absolutely yeah. when's your birthday february 22nd i'm a pisces, pisces. interesting yeah. okay wouldn't have pe- wouldn't have guessed though i feel like maybe i don't know i would need to receive the whole chart i know nothing about astrology <laughs> honestly me neither i just think it's interesting and i, I like to like ask mm-hmm. um next question if you had to pick a song that was the soundtrack of your life, what would it be? World is Yours by Nas. Wow, that was really quick. That is the best song ever made, in my, in my opinion. It's World is Yours. World is Yours by Nas. It's off his first album called Omatic, which I think is the best rap album of all time. Um, it is my feel-good song. It's a very motivational, inspirational song. It's one of the best lyrical hip-hop songs of all time. Um, I highly recommend it if you have not listened to it before. Uh, to do so because it's it's awesome i will definitely listen to it on my way back i i stole that question actually from um a friend who i interviewed she's also now like big on tiktok and she did this thing um thing she went on a road trip with her mom and everywhere she stopped and every person she met she asked what their favorite song was or like what you know the soundtrack of their life was and she made a playlist Mm. and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So like now she listens to this playlist and like remembers people she met along the way. That is very cool. So cool. And then yeah. the um, Solace Olympics. in the City playlist. We need that. I know. Yeah. I, so I'm trying to collect more songs, but the Olympics co- like copied it. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, what do you love most about yourself? Um, I like the love, I lo- love, love, love. Right. Um, I, I was instilled at a young age, uh, I think with a, a good amount of ambition. I'm I'm very proud of of what I've been able to accomplish so far in my life, um, especially kind of in the face of continuing mental health issues. Um, but I, I I really love the, the the ambitiousness that I I have had in my life so far. I you know, and there's a pro and there's a con to that. Of course, mm-hmm. I, I get shit done, but I also can't sit still. Yeah. Right. Um. I I l- don't know how to relax very well, which is something I'm trying to work on. Uh, I have this book coming, uh, which is about the Dutch study of doing nothing. I can't remember the name of it. It's like Neskim or, or Nenkim or something like that. Um, so I'm going to read that and see if it can help me relax. But um, I, I, I think it's it's more of a pro than a con, especially in a place like New York City where, where you have to hustle to, to be anyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I mean, I'm similar. Like, I can't meditate to save my life. I just get so fucking so bored. hard. It's so, so hard. So fucking difficult. <laughs> I cannot do it at all. I've tried so many times. Same. Like, calm, uh, headspace. I just like sit. And I'm like, mm, okay, yeah. what else could I be doing right now? That's more productive. I start. So bad. I start thinking about the time I told my third grade crush like <laughs> something random. Like, I, I my brain just goes to faraway places. Yeah. Yeah. So we can both work on that. Yeah. 
Um, and final question, which is the name of the podcast. Mm-hmm. How do you find solace in the city? Walking. Walking is a really good one. Um, going on adventures where you have destinations in mind. Um, if it's with friends, that's even better. Someone you trust. Um, I, I find that having a, a great group of, of humans around you, and I think this is a, a valuable lesson for anyone in their 20s who you know, can p- attract a lot of people in their life, but if they're not good people, toxic people specifically, um, your mental health will always be uh, in, in sort of a negative spot. So I think going on adventures in, in places anywhere with destinations in mind with a, a good group of people is wh- when I'm at my, my happy place. Also comedy clubs. Yeah. Uh, What's your I'm, favorite? I'm like peak happy there. The stand on 16th is I, I think the best. Um, yeah. No, I, there's, there's many ways, but, but definitely the, those three that I, I named are, are great. And then, um, you know, finding inspiration for, for writing music, whether that's, again, walking or being in a park, s- people watching. Like, yeah. there's there's many ways in which that can manifest. Especially in New York. I feel yeah. like there's no better place to just get inspiration of everything. Absolutely. Well, Chris slash Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> Still don't know what to call myself. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. It's been so great to meet you. Total butterfly effect, even though you don't believe in fate. Um, <laughs> where can everyone follow you, listen to your music, um, download your EP? Yeah. Um, so I'm on the, all the streaming platforms, Nigel Roxbury. Um, and then all of my social media is at Nigel Roxbury, R-O-X-B-U-R-Y. Awesome. Well, I'll plug all of that in the show notes and thank you again and bye everyone. Thanks for having me.